0: The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program.
1: Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next hour, we'll be talking about helping you reach financial independence later on in life. A lot of people label it retirement, some people label it financial independence. It's about investing, growing the money that you have saved and invested. That's what Aptus helps you with. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. It is not far from 23 and 270. They have many clients outside the area. They can confer with you via Zoom or some other digital platform, and they offer you a free, no-obligation consultation so you can discuss with them your approach to investing, go through what you have done, what your goals are. It's a very pleasant conversation. My wife and I have had it. We have become Aptus clients, and I would highly recommend that you do it too because you'll gain understanding of the markets and volatility and all the different investment vehicles that are out there. Set up your consultation by calling their office Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online. Their website is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh, welcome to the show. And we have the Fed meeting for the next time on July 25th and 26th. We're always watching the signals that are out there and the uh, prognostications and the predictions. And we have the assumption, I think, at least recently, that the Fed will do a couple more uh, 0.25 or, t- or 25 basis points, a quarter of a percentage point hike, however you want to look at it. Uh, has anything changed in the past week that the predictions out there across the spectrum of people who engage in those things, is that still the consensus or is there a different consensus now?
0: Well, I think the general consensus is that the Fed is going to start tapering its rate hikes down to the quarter of a point level. The only debate is whether or not they'll do more than one. Um, Goldman Sachs, that teeny little bank, Goldman Sachs, yeah. uh, just came out uh, this week and said they believe that they will do a quarter rate point hike. Uh, however, they believe that might be the end of it. So I guess not everybody is unified and their logic behind it. Matter of fact, Goldman Sachs lowered its uh, probability You know, all these banks are saying we whether we believe that the, fe- the government will head into the economy will head into a recession or not. They lowered their chances, whatever this means, mm-hmm. the chances of the economy heading into a recession from 25 percent down to 20, which is a good sign. And they're Mm -hmm. citing that, you know, unemployment is down, GDP is up, uh, inflation is down, the Fed Mm -hmm. will slowly stop raising rates. So everything looks to be pointing in the right direction. But that, of course, does not necessarily mean that the market will not feel some pain as we have some over-leveraging issues there. So there is obviously this difference between Main Street and Wall Street. I think uh, lowering the rate hikes, as Goldman Sachs appears to think is going to happen, is going to be a great thing for Main Street. But that is not the only factor that's going to affect Wall Street.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this this week, and I hear, you know, the Biden administration uh, cites the low unemployment numbers. Uh, they contend that real wages are up. There's some dispute about that. And inflation, as you mentioned, is down. It's still higher than what used to be the target rate, 2%. And we didn't really ever think about the inflation rate for, like, 40 years because it never went above 2 or not for a prolonged period of time. It never went up to 9 Point one which is what it's been uh, at its highest during the Biden administration and I was just trying to figure out for uh, people who are maybe in their 40s late 30s, early 40s they've got young families they're trying to kind of get things squared away uh, maybe they get up get in their forever house and I was trying to decide if inflation has become more of a factor for people because of what it has made things cost at the grocery we've we've got this phrase the new normal. I think the price of eggs has a new normal. The price of gas has a new normal. For a while, we had to get used to $2.50 a gallon gas. Now I think we're probably going to have to get used to gas being over $3 a gallon. But is the new normal driven more by, or 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 the effect of a family's ability to like make it and succeed, not just make it, stay stay their head above water? Is it affected more by what inflation has done to the prices of consumer goods, Or is it affected more by what inflation has done to mortgage rates, which gets back to the Fed raising rates? Because I'm looking right now at the 30-year fixed rate on a mortgage is 7.7%. That's not my mortgage rate or wasn't when I had a mortgage, it wasn't that, Uh, which to me uh, really impacts uh, even perhaps more than eggs or things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the short answer is both are obviously very, very important, Sure, but- one is seems to be exacerbated more than the other. So when we look at eggs, eggs went up by X percent, yeah. which means I used to pay X and now I pay 30% more than X or whatever mm-hmm. that number is. But when you look at a house, we don't typically pay cash for homes. We don't pay cash for cars, or at least most people don't. Right. So interest rates can have a dramatic effect because there's two things happening. One, the interest rate's going up, which makes the same payment more expensive because the interest is higher. But while simultaneously, the price of the home went up. So I think, you know, it was maybe several months ago on the show, we talked about the change in a $250,000 home, which good luck even trying to find one of those in most areas of Columbus these days. True, true. But that $250,000 home is now something like a $350,000 home. While simultaneously, your 2.75% mortgage rate has climbed up to darn near a 7% mortgage rate. Well, what does that mean to the bottom line to you? Well, it means to live in the exact same home. You're paying 250% more per month, and you have to come up with more money as a down payment because the house got more expensive. Now, that is not even including. That's just the the mortgage, you know, the payment, the interest payment and the principal payment. But now your house is not a $250,000 house. It's a $350,000 house, and anybody that owns a home knows that that relates to property taxes. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, what ends up happening is you have this, you know, this double-edged sword where you go, not only can I not afford where I live, but now simultaneously all these other prices are going up. And and something that I hear all the time is, well, you know, inflation's back down to three point whatever, so that's good. When is, when is everything going to come back down? Like somehow the price is set at X and then it, it goes up and then comes back down. The toothpaste is out of the tube, and I'm not suggesting that there won't be certain categories, and maybe it's gas, for example, that seems to fluctuate a lot. Uh, but the inflation that we've had is in the past now that that that's just what it is the 3.6% that we keep on hearing that's what it's going to do moving forward right. it doesn't mean it's going to retreat back and we're going to lose 6% of what we already climbed
1: yeah that's uh you know we try not to be partisan on the show but but the policies that different political parties endorse play into the ability to uh, accumulate wealth and uh, grow wealth and as i was thinking about Inflation this week, and I was listening to an administration official kind of say, Well, look, it's only 3%. I thought, Yeah, but inflation is a year over year number. And so when we had inflation that was 8% year over year, say 21 to 22, and then we had inflation that I'm just grabbing a number out of the air, 6% from 22 to 23, the prices are 14% higher from 21 to 23. That doesn't change. That becomes the new normal, which is why people talk about have my wages gone up to keep up with the costs that accompany inflation.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, no, you're right. We're not partisan on the show, but it all comes down to deficit spending and the choices that we make. Mm. If you print $5 trillion and say there's going to be no repercussions to it, I hope that people have the memory moving forward to know that clearly there are repercussions from it um, and whether or not those dollars reach the people who actually needed them during the time that the money was spent uh, for the reasons that was spent is Mm -hmm. an argument we can have another day. I would argue that it probably wasn't, but nevertheless uh, I think that what you're trying to illustrate here is that same concept is that it went up by 9% then it went up by 6% and now it's at 3%. That doesn't mean that we go back and we erase the 15% that already climbed. And you know, people ask me a lot, who does this affect the most? Well, does it affect a, a 15-year-old kid? Well, maybe, depending upon what his parents are doing. Sure. Does it affect somebody, well, let's say like you, who already owns their home, doesn't have a mortgage, has no intent on, intent, uh, intention of moving anytime soon, and uh, has their expenditures kind of honed into what it's going to be? Well, of course it affects you based upon the price of food, but other than that, you know, you already have a place to live, and, yeah. and nothing's really changing there. In my opinion, who it really affects is the people who are renting or the young families who are trying to buy a home. They are the most adversely affected. Uh, Or the people who are on a pension income that does not adjust for inflation. You know, before when it was only two, that wasn't that big of a rub. Now, big, big problem.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Josh Pick and Bruce Hooley with you. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Take advantage of your free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Set that up. Make your appointment by calling their office 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment online. Their website is AptusWealth, APT dot It will not take you long to get there. From twenty three and two seventy, their office is just off Route 750. And Josh joins me every Monday at 1230 p.m. on 989, the answer for Money Monday. And all the things we've been talking about, Josh to me, underscore the necessity of getting a financial planner, an investment, you know, advisor, somebody like yourself, a fiduciary, which means you're legally obligated to do what is best for your client to bulletproof might be too strong of a word, but to understand that there are issues out there that can affect your retirement. And as I think about that, uh, I find it interesting that according to a recent survey Uh, by Lincoln Financial, more than 60% of retirees would like to go back and plan differently for their retirement if they could, which I don't think they're making that decision if they've uh, got more money than they anticipated having or if all their needs were met. Or they made a mistake somewhere along
0: the way that had catastrophic effect. You know, we hear all these statistics about, you know, do you need a financial planner? Is it worth the cost? Is it worth this? Is it worth that? ultimately what the statistics simultaneously say is your chance of success in working with a financial planner is much, much higher. So yes, you have to pay to have somebody help you just like you have to pay a mechanic to fix your car. Mm -hmm. But I promise you, if I tried to fix my own car, I might as well just go buy a new car because it's just going to run even worse than when I started trying to fix it. Um, And I think a lot of people fall into that category when it comes to finances. Um, You know, Just because you're a smart individual, maybe you're a physician, maybe you're a an engineer does not necessarily mean that you automatically have the acumen for financial planning or for that matter the discipline to financial planning and I think a lot of the things that we've covered on the show is about the nuances or the subtleties or the illogical uh elements of you know tax code yep. of uh God forbid you have to go in a long term care facility that process doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But understanding the rules of the game and playing that game in accordance with the rules and using them to your advantage can make a drastic difference. But if you don't know the rules and you don't deal with the rules every day, you can, on the flip side of that, make some really terrible mistakes.
1: Well, it's interesting that you mention discipline as perhaps the key factor in giving yourself a better chance to not have regret. In retirement, Uh, the number one reason why, according to this Lincoln Financial Group survey, the number one reason why more than 60 percent of retirees would like to go back and plan differently is because they wish they had started saving earlier and saved more, which is a factor of that discipline that you talk about.
0: Yeah, or just simply having somebody beat you over the head with the fact that I know that you you can say that you're young and you don't have to start now because that's what young people do, but showing them the impact of not starting early. There's other statistics out there that prove that one element of being a financial planner, fiduciary, investment advisor, whatever you want to call us, is being able to keep clients at bay from their own emotions sometimes because i don't know if it's written in this article and we obviously haven't seen the article uh you're just asking me the, yeah, I'm you're asking bringing you questions up. about
1: it uh
0: but oftentimes what we see is there's something called the behavioral uh gap when it comes to returns and you can look at a fund for example look at a mutual fund and say what did the mutual fund return over the last 20 years oh it was eight percent a year okay great what did the average investor inside of that mutual fund return oh, It was three percent well how's that possible the fees mm. aren't that high so how is it possible it's because we have a fear of missing out when the market goes up so we buy high and then when the market goes down we have a fear of losing it all so we sell when it's low and inherently by our own we can call it emotions or we can call it just foolishness or whatever you want to call it uh, you end up making wrong decisions that have catastrophic impacts on the long run because if you get a 7.2 percent rate of return your money's doubling every 10 years if you get a three percent rate of return well, now your money's doubling every 20-some-odd years. Big, big difference.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Josh and I do Money Monday on The Answer every Monday, 12.35 p.m. Join us for that. Those are archived on uh, 9890answer.com, also at aptuswealth.com. You can go to their site and also make your appointment for your free consultation. And we want to give you a heads up that uh, we are planning an evening where we can interact with you and answer some of your questions, introduce you to the Aptus team. We don't have a date yet. We don't have a location yet, but most likely sometime in the fall, maybe in September. So keep that in mind. We'd love to meet you and love to uh, hear from you as we build toward that. You can get a hold of Josh and his team via their office phone, 614-917-1040, to set up your free consultation. All right, let me hit you again with something from this survey because It's my perception, Josh, because maybe I think of it this way or have thought of it this way before I became a client, that people tend to think about saving for retirement as accumulating a nest egg, a pot of money. And the response to this Lincoln Financial Survey says that retirees wish they had chosen investments that could provide a steady stream of income. 63% reported they'd like to receive an automatic paycheck from their retirement assets. Am I wrong that, like, I kind of have thought before I became a client, and I think a lot of people still think, I save, I save, I save, I invest, I invest, I invest, it comes to be worth X. And then I withdraw from X, hoping that uh, I still have a dollar in there when I breathe my last.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's most people's approach. And very rarely on this show will you hear me say, I don't believe it's your fault. Uh, my kids call me the accountability police. <laughs> you know, it's, it's your life to live and it's your discipline to play with. And you're going to have to, you know, create your own path. But in this instance, I would actually say that this is somewhat a byproduct of our industry. And, you know, in, in most things, whether you're talking about politics, or you're talking about in our industry, you follow the money. And how do financial companies make money off of you? by you giving them your money and they invest it for you and make a fee off of it. They make less money if you start withdrawing your money from your accounts. Mm. So they spend very little effort showing you how to properly withdraw money from your accounts and a tremendous amount of effort convincing you to put money into your accounts. And the reason that that's a problem is because, and we've talked many times about, you know, sequence of return risk and volatility risk and the importance of not just what your returns are, but how you achieve your returns and the easiest way to think about that is, you know, you could average a 8% rate of return over 10 years. But if for the first five years you had negative, 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 negative and then explosive growth in the next five, that doesn't really matter when you're not withdrawing your money other than maybe it make you want to you know, have a terrible headache and have a lot of heart palpitations and yeah. all the things that go along with that. But if you're taking money out of your account you might burn through all your money in the first five years before those big returns ever kick in. And obviously a 20% rate of return off of $1,000 is not nearly as much as a 20% rate of return on $2,000. So it's important to come up with a strategy on how to structure how I receive my income and can I count on that income coming to me for the rest of my life. And I think that's probably what that's echoing is I spent a lot of time worrying about building my nest egg and very little time determining how I was going to use it.
1: Yeah, and in the course of doing this show and in the course of talking about recession fears and and what's out there, uh, we've discussed a phenomenon that applies now to the financial markets of this uh, inverted yield curve. And typically, um, you get a higher rate of return on your money the longer period of time you allow whoever you're giving your money to, a bank, a bond, whatever, however the length of time you allow them to have your money to do what they're doing with it, you traditionally get a higher return. That's not the case now. We have an inverted yield curve where the shorter the amount of time they have your money, the higher return you get, which, you know, a a person might hear that and go, well, that's great for all investors. Um, Is it great for people who are on the cusp of retirement? I'm going to assume that a lot of the answer to that question would have to do with how, prepared that person's particular advisor was in not making the mistake that we've seen some failed banks make, which is they have their assets tied up for too long of a term in vehicles that they can't get their money out of during this phenomenon of the inverted yield curve. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
0: short answer uh, is inverted yield curves have historically been bad for everybody involved, uh, whether you're an investor, whether you're a bank, whether you're the economy. Matter of fact, it's very difficult to point to a period of time where there was an inverted yield curve where the market did not suffer as a result. Maybe not as a direct result of it, but while simultaneously that occurring. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. You know. In general, you know, why do we not eat cake every single day for every single meal? Well, I mean, other than you'd have a really upset stomach, you're, you're obviously going to feel the effects of that yes. in the long run. So we don't eat healthy for today. We eat healthy for tomorrow. Uh, well, similarly, when you invest, the longer you tie up your money, the more you should receive in a return. That's your delayed gratification premium, right? Um, And today we don't have that. So that raises an interesting problem. So I can go get a 5% CD today and live off of that interest for the next 12 months, but I have no idea what my income will look like in 12 months. That's the problem with not being able to lock it up longer and have predictable income.
1: We have talked a lot here on uh, this show, which uh, airs, 7 o'clock Friday nights, noon on the replay on Saturdays. We've talked a lot on Money Monday about, you know, are we going to have a recession? Are we not going to have a recession? There's this factor out there, that factor, Fed, unemployment rate, blah, blah, blah. Are we in a time where there is a investment vehicle that is great for everyone right now, given prevailing market conditions? Or is the um, usefulness, the benefit of, of an investment vehicle tied to where an investor is on that continuum of um, proximity to retirement?
0: And the answer is both, uh, not to sidestep the question, but if you're 20 years old, you should obviously have a more aggressive stance in your investment allocation because you have more runway, more time to weather the storms of volatility to mm-hmm. achieve a higher rate of return. But that does not mean that there isn't some advantage in being active in the investments that you pursue amongst that quote unquote aggressive category. Meaning you still, you might want to put 100% of your money in stocks, for example, but that does not mean that you just kind of put everybody puts their same, the same amount of money in the same stocks. It depends on what uh, is going on in the economy, which would kind of point you in the direction of what stocks might make more sense. But I would say that for the people who are in the category of nearing or in retirement, It is important to pay attention to economic conditions as it relates to the volatility that's going to affect your money because of all the reasons that we talked about earlier and drawing out money and having a plan for liquidating your positions over time. Because the purpose of this, remember, was acquire said nest egg so that at some point I don't have to work anymore and my money takes care of me. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest that in today's environment, um, bonds do not look as attractive as they were maybe for the last 40 years. CDs look more attractive but are not a long-term solution. Hedging strategies, and by hedging I mean if the market goes backwards, I have some element of a protection against downside risk while maybe giving up a little bit of the upside on the top to uh, in exchange for that downside protection. Those contracts look really attractive compared to their 20, 30, 40 year average. Uh they're they're as good today as they were. I haven't seen them this good. Let me phrase it this way. I've not seen rates this good in that category since around uh, 2000, 2001. Wow. So significant difference. And that kind of plays out amongst all categories of investment. Sometimes things just have a tailwind, and sometimes things have a headwind, and it's important to know which ones are affected by what.
1: Yeah, and when you say it's important for people to pay attention to economic conditions if they're close to retirement, I mean, that's the benefit of having someone like Aptis be on the case for their retirement, because that's what you guys are doing.
0: A hundred percent. And if you looked at our allocation model for, let's say you just looked at the Aptus gold growth model, it does not look the same today as it did two years ago. It looks completely different. Does that mean it's not a growth allocation anymore? No, it's still a growth allocation, but economic conditions have changed. Well, what does that turn into? Well, in down periods, the purpose of that type of money management is to minimize downside while still on a risk managed level, achieving as much upside as you can. And the objective might be rather than getting a 10% average every single year, which nobody can do, let's at least get a, you know, X average Mm -hmm. with minimizing the troughs and the peaks along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And that is exactly uh, what uh, I didn't even know was possible, was to gain some upside of the market, but to really minimize downsides of the market. Um, I followed it. I thought I was uh, on top of it, but I also was nervous about managing it myself. And I didn't want to put that burden on my wife either. So, we found it to make perfect sense for our family to entrust our retirement to Aptus. We gained that trust by sitting for the free consultation, no obligation. You can do the exact same thing. Call their office, make your appointment, 614-917-1040. Make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth, APTUS, aptuswealth.com. Josh and I will be back to talk more next Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Glad to have you along. Bruce Hooley, Josh Pick with you. And for the next half hour, we will will be discussing how to grow your nest egg, arrive at financial independence uh, as you approach retirement. Aptus, located in Lewis Center just off Route 750, not far from the 23270 Interchange. They offer you the opportunity for a free no-obligation consultation to talk about retirement with them. Discuss your approach to investing, what you've done, their approach to investing, and maybe you'll reach the same conclusion my wife and I did, and that is that Aptus made perfect sense for us to manage and grow our retirement. Set up your consultation by calling their office, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or you can make your appointment online at Aptuswealth A-P-T-U-S, com. And I've seen stories recently, Josh, where uh, retirees who are already in the midst of retirement talked about uh, not understanding that they would have been in a better position if they had vehicles that generated income for them while they were in retirement. Um, Is that what people mean when they talk about active income from retirement as opposed to passive income from retirement, where would passive income just be Withdrawing from a nest egg. I'm not sure I have that definition of active versus passive correct.
0: Yeah. And we hear passive income so often, you know, get a side hustle, passive income. Oh, okay. Get, okay. Get rental property, get sure. passive income, whatever the passive is. I mean, by definition, active income is the income that you make from working, and passive income is the income that you make while you're not working. And I think Warren Buffett said that if you can't figure out a way to make money while you're sleeping, then you'll work for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, what I see, and I'm probably going to give a much longer answer than you want to this. But what I see is when people invest their money in whatever vehicle they're investing in, people are ignoring the income generation and they're turning into almost gamblers. Uh, so insert NFT. Let's use an NFT. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. Or let's insert, you know, investing in wine. You'll hear people, I'm investing in wine or I'm investing in artwork. Art, art's hot now. Okay. And this is all great. Uh, but let me draw a parallel to something that I think everybody can understand that will clearly define the difference between what I deem to be investing and what I deem to be more of a gamble. You can Anybody can go buy real estate, and that's a very hot topic. And there's kind of two ways that you can make money in real estate. Way number one is I go buy an apartment complex or a home, and I did the math, and I calculated that day one after I buy this place, I'm going to put a renter in place, and I'm going to cash flow positive, meaning I'm going to make money net of all of my expenses – From day one. And that means that I have passive income. I am generating money right out of the gate. Now, the advantage of that is regardless of whether the house goes up or goes down, as long as inflation keeps on climbing and it's in a good neighborhood, my rents will increase, which means I will continue to make more and more passive income over time, Mm -hmm. which should be the allure of investing in real estate. However, there are plenty of people that uh, do what I call prospecting real estate, which is you see that piece of dirt over there? I know urban sprawl is going to reach that at some point. Yeah. I can get it cheap, and at some point, somebody's going to give me millions of dollars for that dirt because it's right by this overpass or whatever the logic is. Yeah. But the problem with that is, while you might get a big pop down the line, you have carrying costs of the real estate. It's actually costing you money to own that investment till the day you sell it, and then you get this big windfall. Now, there's no. You know, pro or you can't argue that one's better than the other necessarily because I'm sure you can think of somebody who's done the latter and made a big pop. I sure can. Right? However, let's kind of correlate that back to retirement. Well, typically, those types of properties are either in an area where somebody goes, I don't believe you, because if if everybody believed everything you're saying, the property would already be worth a lot of money, right? So you're kind of going against the grain. Well, let's correlate that back to investing in the market. Mm-hmm. So there's different types of stocks you can buy. You can buy the, the Flyers, the NVIDIAs, the Teslas of the world who, that have earned a tremendous amount of money this year. But there's been a tremendous amount of volatility. I wouldn't say that that's a predictable income stream at all because they don't pay dividends. You're just buying it and waiting for it to go up and then hopefully selling it for more than you paid for it. But what are you going to do then? Okay, so you sold it. You're going to go and try and find the next one or what are you going to invest in? What are you going to do to generate income? Are you just going to sell some of it, live off of that and hope that you don't bleed it out too quickly? Um, That's a challenge that isn't predictable. It's exciting. It's the opportunity to get quote rich overnight, which is what everybody's trying to do these days. But remember what your purpose was. Your purpose was I'm working in a job to accrue a nest egg so that that nest egg takes care of me for the rest of my life. Well, the, opposite of that would be investing in stocks that pay dividends. So I get to live off the dividends, think of it as the cash flow from that renter. Mm -hmm. And then as the stock appreciates, that dividend income also appreciates, and I win over time. One is much more predictable than the other. I think, you know, personally, you should have some of both, but it depends on where you are in life. And I think it's so important that you come up with a plan that's going to generate that passive income for you. And it seems like we've just forgotten all about it.
1: Yeah. And having a plan is. Better done when you sit down and really target, you know, the logic behind what the plan is, why you're doing it, understanding the plan. That's what my wife and I gained from our consultation with Josh. You get a free consultation with them as well. Find out if you are a match for them, if they're investing philosophy dovetails with your own. 614-917-1040 as a way to approach that uh appointment. You can also Make it online at their website, aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. This is kind of an aside, but when you talk about passive income, um, I expected there to be a huge hit in commercial real estate after the pandemic. I see some numbers here that it's bad in Chicago, bad in major cities. We hear all the time people are ramping back up or they're going to go back to work five days a week or there's some people that say managers don't want people back to work five days a week. I'm sure you have your eyes on various mutual funds that are heavy into commercial real estate. I think it's doing pretty well here in central Ohio, but you're obviously invested in vehicles far beyond central Ohio. Is there a general uh, a general assessment of commercial real estate? Uh, and I suppose if it's down, then there'd be people who are contrarian investors who would look at it and say, well, I'm going to buy it while it's low. And eventually it's going to go back up.
0: Yeah. You see these ebbs and flows constantly throughout history. And, and the short answer is certain pockets react much differently than other pockets. Uh, for example, you said in central Ohio, commercial real estate really hasn't taken the hit that it has in some areas. Um, and, you know, not to get a political lean, but if you look at the areas that have been hit the hardest uh, and then just look at the color uh, of what those areas are. Those are red cities, yeah. It, it, I mean, there's a lot Most of... Most
1: cities are red. I mean, that's just kind of a general factor. Yeah, but Chicago isn't. Chicago um, is not. New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. really... I'm sorry, I meant blue. I didn't yeah, mean blue, Yeah. I didn't so mean blue. I meant blue. what we're finding
0: is that, again, I'm always follow the money. If you're a corporation looking to open an office, COVID has forced you into working remote. Mm-hmm. If everybody's working remote and you need to have a corporate office, why would you have your corporate office in a state with the highest pro- the highest property and in income taxes? Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense. You can pick anywhere. Might as well pick somewhere like Nevada that doesn't have taxes. Sure. Right? Um, but you know what we look for is what is the property? What is the forecast for that property? And what does the area look like? So we don't necessarily have to say we're investing in real estate nationwide. We can invest in pockets of not just the area, but also what that real estate does. So, for example, and I'm not suggesting that everybody runs out and starts investing in long-term care facilities. However, a very easy thing that you would maybe pay attention to and look at is we have this generation called the baby boomers that are turning of age every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we know that there's a 50-50 shot of you and I needing some sort of help in the future in the way of long-term care. That's just the statistics. So if you know that this huge, giant piece of the population is going to be re- reaching that age, and that is an under, uh, underfunded or uh, undercapacitied uh, area, that might be an area that you want to invest in. Not something you want to put all your money into, but something that you definitely want to take a peek at.
1: 614-917-1040 to set up your consultation. You can set it up online. Their website at Aptus is aptus, aptuswealth.com. They're located physically in Lewis Center. It's just off Route 750. They service a lot of clients outside the area. So that's a takeaway from the pandemic that wasn't all bad. The Zoom calls, which we all now know how to do, Aptus takes advantage of that. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to have that consulta- consultation remotely, It's possible, but for local clients, we'd like to have you in the office, 614-917-1040, right off Route 750. Okay, so we talk a lot about volatility, and we always kind of refer back to this is the best sense or the worst sense or whatever. So there's a lot of historical data out there about how markets have reacted and when recessions happen and when they don't and when economies prosper and when they don't. And I'm just kind of wondering, um, because we have so many different uh, kind of predictions about what's going to happen right now, Is there one kind of investment vehicle that is performing well for everyone? Not that you would uh, put everyone's assets in it to the exclusivity of others, but I just kind of wonder if there is one particular place that's doing well now or is that driven by whether you are a retiree or whether you are very close to being a retiree?
0: You know, it's per individual, of course. However, um, I would say if there's one area of the financial solution Economy That we're seeing grow the most. It's this concept of hedged equity. Okay. And I'm using, you know, people call it different things. I'm using a broad brushstroke of hedged equity and that can uh, come across in a myriad of different ways. But essentially at its core, what hedged equity means is I am hedging against loss to some capacity. And most people are very surprised when I tell them just how specific you can be about that. Now, any time that you're giving up some downside, you're obviously going to give up some upside. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. you got to have a little bit of both. And let me say that in general, over a long period of time, you would be better off just being out in the market. But we have talked many, many times uh, on this show about how, s- for some people, that's just not what they want to do. It's not who they are. It's not what they can tolerate.
1: Yeah, and two, like if you're uh, 63, you don't want to have everything in, in growth stocks. And here we
0: are in an environment where bonds aren't doing that well. So you're saying, let's look at last year, for example, not including dividends. The S&P 500 was down roughly 20%. The bond index or the aggregate bond index was down roughly 13. So you said, well, hey, I'm a safe investor. So I went 50-50 and you were still down in the high teens. So (laughs) thanks. I really appreciate you hedging all of my (laughs) risk. When in reality, you could have played the game this way. And we can talk about, you know, different parts and pieces and different options that are available here, but- you can quite literally say, I would like to have the first 10% of the market drop not on me. So if the market goes down 10%, I don't lose any money until it goes down beyond 10%. Or how about 20 Or how about 30 Or how about 40 Or how about if it goes down, I don't want to participate at all in it. Now, obviously, the more risk reduction you have, the less upside potential you have. But sure. I'll give you an example. For some people, not for all, but if you said, if the S&P 500 goes up and you're capped at 12%, and I don't know that this is actually an individual contract. So that's contract. the gain you would get, no that's more the gain than 12. you would get. So if it goes up 20, you only got 12. If it goes up 6, you get 6. You're just capped at 12. But if it goes down, until it goes down 20%, you don't lose a nickel. That might be just the training wheels, if you will, to get your kid yeah. comfortable enough to get on the bike, right? Uh, Now, I'm not suggesting you do that with all of your money, but it's very shocking to people that you can be that specific. Now, there are a bunch of other things that have and these are not new concepts, but they're coming out with new solutions from different companies all the time that are big players in the industry. So this isn't like, you know, a bunch of people in their basement coming up with really cool ideas that aren't going to come to fruition. Um, These are also liquid. So some of the arguments that I hear is I understand that I can protect my money, but I got to lock it up forever. Yeah. All Right. I talked to my insurance agent. He had this really cool idea, but I got to lock it up forever. You don't have to lock it up forever. These are one year deals in most cases, one to two year deals. So you're in and out. And even though they're one year deals, you only have to wait around for one year to get all the guarantees I'm talking about. But you can get out before that if you want. So if the market goes down 2%, you don't get the protections of that 10 or 20% protection. But if you needed the money, you could still just take it and run. So it's completely liquid. Now there are other options that are longer duration that usually the only reason we would go for a longer duration is for some ancillary benefit. For example, if I'm going to give you my money, we've been talking about inverted yield curve, not giving you any money, Mm -hmm. right? But there are still some companies out there that recognize the value of you giving you them your money. If you said, if I lock my money up for the next 10 years and you'll give me a 10% bonus on my money to play the same game I just said, well, all right, well now I'm listening. That might be a value to me. Uh, But I'm not going to just lock my money up for 10 years at the same rates I just said just because you told me to. So when we were talking earlier about what are the available things out there, what looks good, what looks bad, um, I think the big takeaway is knowing what your choices are and then figuring out how to combine the best choices of the time into the solution that fits you rather than saying, here's the best thing for everybody, round peg, square hole.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, true confession, uh, this kind of an option, a hedged equity product, was something I didn't know existed, and it was something that was very attractive to uh, my wife and I, given where we are in proximity to retirement. We wouldn't have found out about it if we didn't sit for our free consultation with Josh and the Aptis team. You can do that, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040 to set that appointment up. And you can also make your appointment online at aptuswealth A-P-T-U-S, com. So I can imagine there are some people out there going, Wow, I didn't know you could do that, uh, but what's in it for the people who actually have my money? How can I get protected from market losses? Because I know I know that they're not going to insulate me from a risk that they're not taking. So how does the, uh, the house, if you will, win on something like that?
0: Yeah, it's actually a lot simpler than you think. Um, now, the instruments that they use might sound a little complicated, but I'll explain them in a very simple fashion. Mm-hmm. So you've probably heard of the concept of options,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and options are just simply, uh, I'll use my father-in-law as an example. So he's a farmer, he's been a farmer his whole life, and he plants a field. And when he plants a field, he goes, I'm going to plant corn in this field because corn's currently at X dollars per bushel. Mm-hmm. But if it goes down to this price, it wasn't even worth me planting the field. So he goes to the grain mill and he says, hey, how much will you charge me to agree to buy 500 bushels of corn off of me for the current price? And they say, give me 2,000 bucks. And no matter what happens to and I'll, I'll buy it off of you for that price. And he goes, okay, well, now at least I know what I'm making and I know what my outlay is. Now, if the price of corn goes up, I promise you my father-in-law is going to take that little slip that says he can make him buy it for this price. He's going to rip it up throw it in the trash and forget he ever, he ever did it. But if it goes down, he's going to, that's called put, he's going to put it to the grain mill and say, eh, eh, yeah. you told me you'd buy it for this, right? Well, similarly, in the financial markets, this type of mechanism is happening all the time. People are betting on Is the market going to go up? Is it going to go down? Is this stock going to go up? Is it going to go down? So what these companies are doing is essentially this. They're taking your money and they're saying, all right, what kind of budget do we need to have to be able to guarantee that if the market goes down by X, we have insulated ourselves? How much upside can we give them? And then let's do all of that, making sure that we get our 1% fee or whatever Mm -hmm. they decide to calculate. Mm -hmm. So it's calculated from the very beginning. I promise you they're making money, but the beautiful part is the numbers that they give you are net of all of that. So you don't really care how they're making money. Insurance companies do this all the time. And insurance companies do the calculation the exact same way. They just go out to the same places that you can go directly to if you want. The only benefit to going to an insurance company with the same type of approach is the insurance company has some ancillary benefits that may be beneficial to you. So for example, if you had money that wasn't in an IRA, this is just money that you, you got in your savings account right mm-hmm. now. And you said, I want to invest this. All the gains inside of an insurance vehicle grow tax-deferred until you use them. So if you're in a high-income tax bracket, there's a benefit to not paying taxes on it today. Whereas if you put it in the other f- version, you get taxed on it. The other benefit would be, well, what if I, my, my time here gets cut short? Mm-hmm. An insurance company might provide you an enhanced death benefit. Uh, what if uh, I want income off of this, they might provide you an enhanced income benefit to guarantee income for you for the rest of your life. If none of those benefits are any value of any value to you, don't go there. But if they are of value to you, the insurance company will also require typically that you tie up the money for at least a period of time, usually between three and 10 years. And you get to pick, well, if I'm going to tie my money up for 10 years, you're going to need to give me some pretty good benefits because mm-hmm. I don't have to. So you better tell me what they are. And sometimes you'll get huge bonuses. You'll get income benefits, et cetera. So I think this circles us back to what is the best product? It all depends. Uh, you had said, you know, spoiler alert, I, I got yeah, involved in yeah. some of these things. Um, but I think it's important to note, not that I'm going to give your situation away, but we certainly didn't put all of your money in any one of these no, things. No. You have an amalgam of all of yeah. them that work in concert to achieve what you want to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a way to balance risk while reducing risk. That's how I viewed it. I'm mean, I'm not trying to put words in Josh's mouth, but that's how we viewed it is that we can uh, split it up uh, and not do everything, as he said, in uh, just one of these, but split it up. And, uh, you know, we felt like protect our ourselves, but also, uh, you know, be able to participate in some of the gains. Overall, I would say it was just a peace of mind feeling that I felt like a lot more educated, a lot more prepared, a lot more protected. Uh, and when you're protected and retirement is, you know, on the horizon, but not around the corner, uh, that that peace of mind to me was invaluable. I think you could gain it, too, by sitting down, having that consultation with Josh and the team, 614-917-1040. If you'd like to set up your no-obligation consultation at Aptus Wealth Management, visit their office in Lewis Center for that appointment, 614-917-1040. And their Aptus address on the web is com. So I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, but in the example you gave of your father-in-law, he goes to the granary and he pays them two thousand dollars for uh, the promise that they'll pay him five dollars for his corn five dollar a bushel for his corn and then you say corn goes up above five dollars and so uh, he's gonna tear up the option and he's gonna sell it for whatever the market rate is why would the granary not go to him and say no we're not going to pay you 750 for it we've got an agreement to buy it for you for five.
0: Yeah, well, from the grains perspective, uh, the reason they're okay with it is because they're paying that for everybody else's grain, and they made two thousand dollars for nothing.
1: Oh, right, I forgot about the two thousand in their pocket. Right, so okay. it's a
0: win, and you can actually do this on stocks, by the way. So you could say, I have a stock that I don't think is going to go down, but you think it's going to go down. So I say, all right, I'll sell you the option to buy the stock. It's currently worth twenty bucks. I'll sell you the option to buy it at ten bucks. If it goes down to ten bucks. Well, then you bought my stock for X, right? But if it doesn't go down, well, I sold you an option. I made money on that, mm-hmm. that price, right? So you know there, that's another way where you can increase yield on your stocks. Now, the downside of that is, if you do it what we call in our business and not getting too deep in the weeds, but if we do it in our business, which, which is what called, is what is called selling an option naked or non-covered, it means I don't actually own the stock. So now I'm selling you the option to buy a stock at a certain price that I don't even own. So if you exercise that, well, darn it, now i got to go buy the stock and i got to sell it to you, and now I, I lose even more, and there's almost unlimited loss there. So it's important as you're playing these games to do one of two things. Either you better know exactly what you're doing or you better employ a company that knows exactly what they're doing because the good news is, and people get very scared about options, and we're certainly not options traders, but in certain times of the economy, There are vehicles that utilize options that can do very, very good things for you and increase your yield, decrease your risk, et cetera. It's just how do I play in that space?
1: So I'm very uh, uninformed, not savvy on this at all, but some of this, like people betting, which whatever, on the result of something that's going to happen down the road, feels to me like this is what happens with commodities. Am I right on that Mm -hmm. or wrong? Exactly
0: right. Yeah, the options trading – Actually, the Chicago Board of Options yeah. started with commodities. So think of you know the price of corn, the yeah. price of pork, the price of beef, the price of everything. And that still exists today. And, and while I said uh, several months ago, I went to the New York Stock Exchange, and it's all run by computers. One of the places that is still very much the old-school way is the Chicago Board of Trade. I mean, it is still people running around with tickets, and it's crazy madness in there. It's very exciting to be there. But um, I, I want to convey just one more time as people are – when you say the word option – it, it it usually, if you know what it is, it strikes a feeling in people where they go, oh, sounds risky. That's yeah. crazy. And it is. I'm not saying that it's not. We certainly do not buy and sell options, and we are not options trader. That it, That is a very, very risky thing to do. However, you can utilize options for their intended purpose, not for the get-rich-quick scheme purpose, but for their intended purpose to help hedge your positions against loss. And that's the only way that we use them is either – increasing yield through some income by using positions we already have or by covering positions, uh, that we already have.
1: Yeah. We started this conversation by talking about hedged equity products. And, uh, honestly, uh, that's a name where I was kind of like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Hedged equity products. And then as we were talking about it, I'm like, Oh, that's what I have. And so, you know, Josh and his team do a really good job of explaining things in a way that you can understand them. And I would say for me, uh, I needed to understand something before I could have confidence in executing it. Uh, We gained that understanding through our consultation with them. That's why we became clients. I'd highly recommend you do the same. You're not obligated to become a client, uh, but, you know, I would tend to think you'd want as much good information as you can get it, particularly when there's no obligation on your part or on theirs. You can set that consultation up by calling Aptis at 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment via the web. Their web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh joins me every Monday, 1235 p.m. on the Bruce Hooley Show, ninety eight ninety The Answer. Those shows are archived on our site and on Josh's. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. It's not far from 23 and 270. The show re-airs tomorrow at noon. If you miss something you want to hear again, that's when to hear it. Josh, we'll see you again next week.
0: You as well. Thanks, Bruce. Airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program.